0: The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I'd ask that each one of y'all continue to pray for me. Uh, I feel incredibly burdened this morning, uh, incredibly feeble uh, to be uh, up here preaching. Uh, And I'll mention, uh, Brother Chris has already mentioned it, but for the sake of the recordings and all of that sort of stuff, I'll mention the elephant in the room. That this morning we're here without Sister Ava, uh, and that uh, that breaks my heart, um, and I I don't want the family to feel like they're they're uh, your your grief is a special grief. We know that, uh, but it, it is a loss to each one of us here. Um, we are we are a body, and so we we uh, we miss her. Um, but I want to say this: Is God any less God today than He was? Last week, is God any any less God today? Now that we experience a valley, and 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 a darkness, than He was on the top of the mountain. Turn with me over to First Kings chapter twenty. You know, in the prayer request, we were we were mentioning the uh, the Equality Act and other things like that that we know to be wrong in society. You know, say that word to pass. Would God be any less God in in the face of that than he would be uh, if we were following him like we're supposed to? You know, I, I don't intend to be political when I'm up here. I don't think that's a good thing to do.
1: But, you know, even if your president that you voted for was not elected, is God any less God? You know... We often, we often see the power
0: of God when we're on the mountaintops. It's easy to see that. It's easy to see that God is God then. But is He any less God in the valleys in the darkness of your life? With death of a loved
1: one or, or with the darkness in society? Is He any less God...
0: Uh, if there's a bad economy or, or you lose your investments or, or if you have nothing left to your name, is he any less God? Ask Job about that. Amen. When we meet Job in heaven, I believe he will say to you, God was no less God when I had nothing
1: than when he was when I had everything. He saw the power of God in the midst of that. 1 Kings 20, we have a situation in which we get to see this lived out. Ahab
0: had gone to battle against the Syrians, which by the way, the Syrians, they, they were a very powerful uh, military force. They always have been. The, the Syrians, and then you have, you know, they uh, descended from them were the Persians, and then from them, you know, the Iran now, which, you know, known for terrorist activity, right? Uh, these These are bad folks. Well, Israel defeats them in open combat. And so what happens here in verse 21, And the king of Israel went out and smote the horses and chariots and slew the Syrians with a great slaughter. This is their first initial victory. And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, Go, strengthen thyself and mark, and see what thou doest, for at the return of the year the king of Syria will come up against thee. He says, uh, don't, don't go to sleep, be in, be in preparation, because he's going to come back for revenge. The Syrians are going to come back for revenge. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, so these are the Syrians talking, And they're trying to encourage their king to go back for revenge. And they say, their gods, talking about Israel, said, their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. You know, that's what the world says about our God. You know, when when we had this, this coronavirus pandemic, and many of God's children were shaken. I was. Many were shaken to the core. Because they said, how can a good God allow this to happen? I mean, that is a generational thing. Everybody experienced that at some point. How can a good God allow things like that to happen? Well, we know, as Prem to Baptist, that, that Satan brings these things. That the sinful world itself is, in, is groaning and travailing in pain. Waiting to be to be made new again. But they say in the midst of of the coronavirus, many people left the faith because they said, God is not the God in these times. That that in the midst of this valley, God can't be God. And so they they chose to leave that God. Well, the Assyrians saw this and they said, Listen, King, he is, they won because the battle was on a hill. He's, the, he's God of hills. He's not the God of the, of the plains, of the valleys. And so they said, next time, we're going to have a battle in the valley. And so verse, uh, verse 27, we've come to that time. They're coming back. And the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and were against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. So they've got the battle lines are drawn. They're there facing off. And they, they see the numbers. And they see that Israel, they look like two little flocks of baby goats out there. It's just it's a, it's a pitiful sight. And then you've got the Syrians, on the other hand, that fill the country. I mean, the odds are against Israel. The numbers are not in their favor. And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel. I know the king of Israel, you know, you know that he had to be a little nervous about what was about to happen. Seeing the numbers, I mean, numbers don't lie. You know, especially in an in a all-out battle, you would favor the side that, that, has, that fills the countryside. But the man of the Lord came to the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord. Because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but He is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude in thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. He says, You know what they're saying about us? You know what they're saying about your God over there? They're saying that, that God is the God of the hills only, and not of the valleys. And he said, Because of that, I'm going to prove to everybody this day who the god of the valleys is and they pitched one over against the other seven days and so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined and the children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day this little flock of kids this little baby goats went out there and slew a hundred thousand Syrians and then and verse 30, but the rest fled. They, the Syrians began to run for their lives from these two little flocks of baby kids, right? And so they were running, and there a wall fell upon twenty and 27,000 of the men that were left. And the king of Syria, uh, Ben-Hadad, fled and came into the city into an inner chamber. Is God the God of the, of the valleys? <laughs> I would say so. Not only did they... Did they win in open combat? But then, as they ran away to hide, God made a wall fall on top of them. That's the God of the valleys. He's not just the God in the good times. He's the God in the valleys too. You know, we have so many, so many mountains uh, depicted in Scripture, uh, and these many of these are literal. Many of these are are figurative mountains, just like we have. We have mountains out here uh, in the country, but of course, you know, the, the, the line that we're trying to draw here is the mountains that you experience in your life, the mountaintops of the, of the meetings, the mountaintops of, uh, of, your, of your family times together. You know, we had a mountain in Scripture, Mount Sinai. You know, think about the power of God that, was, that you saw there at Mount Sinai as the Lord descended on that mountain that's where he set up the law and there was there was clouds and there was thunderings and lightnings on that mountain and and he said don't even let an animal approach this mountain or they'll they'll be pierced through with a dart that's that's the power of god in his raw state you can't approach unto him praise god that's why we have jesus as a as a mediator to come between us, to bring us to Him. So we see the power of God on that mountain, don't we? What about Mount Pisgah? We, we, we sang that in a song. The view that you get from Mount Pisgah. You know, the situation there was that Moses was disobedient to God. And so God said, I'm not going to allow you to enter into the promised land. But God, still being a merciful God, to, to this minister who had spent his life, uh, at least the, the latter part of his life, pouring it out for God and His people. He says, I'm going to let you see it. What does he do? He brings him up to Mount Pisgah. From the mountaintop, you can see the view of the kingdom of God. You know, your, your, your views from the mountaintops are so much clearer, aren't they? When you get down in the valleys of life, all of a sudden things aren't clear anymore. And you can't see two steps ahead of you. But man, from those mountaintops, I've felt them right here many times as, as I come here every Sunday, every time we gather to worship. You know, there were many things that I was worried about even this morning, about finances, about work, about how to lead my family, all those sorts of things that will cloud your mind. But man, today, all of that didn't mean anything to me when I entered this place. From the mountaintop, you can have a clear view. From Mount Pisgah, Moses was able to look down and to clearly see the promised land. You know, that reminds me of something that Brother David Wise told me one time that somebody else had shared with him. He said it to encourage me in the ministry. Uh, but he said, "Never, never doubt what you feel on the mountaintops when you're walking through the valleys. I want you to remember that in your life. You know, when you feel like the direction of the Lord is gone and you feel to be in that valley, remember what you felt on the mountaintops because the God of the mountaintops is still the God in the valleys. You know what the difference is? Is that my view has changed, not His view.
1: What about Mount Carmel? You know, we see a a great image of the power of God there. you have the 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 man of god facing off against
0: hundreds of prophets of baal now that would that would intimidate me that kind of that kind of conflict against that many people against me but yet god showed his power there on the mountaintop you know and then and then just a few weeks later after he had come down after he had come down from that mountain and he's fleeing his, his view had totally changed, hadn't it? As, as he said, Lord, I, I, I'm the only one left. I give up. What about the Mount of Transfiguration? Can you, man, can you even imagine that? Can you imagine? I, I know that coming down from that would have been a sad thing for, for Peter and James and John. You know, as they got to see the Lord show just a glimpse of His glory... What a mountain of of, of an experience. A mountaintop
1: experience right there to see God in His glory. We have mountains in life. And and in those mountains, we see
0: the glory of God. But let me tell you, child of God, you see the glory of God
1: just as well in the valleys. You know, in Psalm 50, we, we read... Uh, that, that a cattle on a
0: thousand hills are His. Right? We, we, we know that God is the God of the hills, but you know what also it says? It says, and the beast of the forest. It doesn't, it doesn't just mean that God only owns the cattle on the hills. You know, He owns
1: the foxes in the valleys. He owns the birds of the trees. He owns everything. It's His. You know, we have... Uh, taught in the scripture about David.
0: David, as he was there uh, tending the sheep on the hillsides of Bethlehem, on the mountain of Bethlehem. And the Lord delivered him from from that that lion and that bear. You know, every time I say that, I want to say, oh my, at the end of that, you know, like Wizard of Oz. Uh, But the Lord delivered him from that on the mountaintop there on the hillsides. But you know, God
1: was still the same God in the Valley of Elah when he, when he faced off against Goliath, right? You know, this is an image that stuck with me. This is the whole reason why I began to study this. Uh, I heard a
0: sermon, and, and God was referred to as the lily of the valleys. Jesus was referred to as the lily of the valleys. And that's, He's referred to that in, in the Song of Solomon. Man, what what an image that we get. You know, we think about the rock of God, the rock of the mountain, of of who Jesus is, the the cleft of the rock. We see all that imagery in Scripture. But, you know, we don't seem to have that same powerful imagery when we're going through the valleys of our life. But no, we do. Because we see that Jesus is the lily of the valleys. That, That beautiful wildflower That you can see and take comfort from in the midst of the valley. I want to talk to you about some valleys. You know, we could, obviously, this could go a whole lot deeper. We could talk about mountains for weeks. We could talk about valleys for weeks. I just want to show you a few. Some of them are literal. uh, Some of them are more figurative. The Valley of Eli is where we'll go first. We'll visit there first. Um. We already mentioned that God delivered
1: David on the hillsides of Bethlehem. But then you come to the valley of of Elah. And so you have this confrontation between Goliath and the armies of
0: God. You know, Elah is a place of challenge. You ever experience this in your life? You You have a conflict. You have something standing in your way. Something intimidating, something that you, you feel like you're just shrinking away from, and, and maybe in fear, maybe, maybe just an in intimidation. You know, David was blessed by God to have a boldness, a holy boldness, a righteous boldness to enter into that valley. Though, though the odds were against him, I mean, he was a little kid, and this was a giant of a man, literally. And he goes down into this valley. He knows that the same God that delivered me on the hillsides can deliver me in the valley.
1: I pray to God that I have that kind of boldness when I face problems in, in the
0: valleys of life. And the Lord delivered him through that. You know Whether, whether it's a problem at work, whether it's a, a problem of, of debt in your life, whether it's a, a, a problem of of a reoccurring sin that you're trying to face up against, whether it's a loss of a loved one, there is challenges that we face. There are challenges that we face in the valleys. But God is the same God in those valleys as He is on the mountaintops. You know, we have over in Psalm twenty three, we have another valley. We have the valley of the shadow of death. And I'll I'll skip over here to verse four. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, the the valley of the shadow of death is is more than just a place of of challenge, of conflict, like we saw in Eli. The valley of the shadow of death is a place
1: of fear, of dread. It's, it's so much more. It's, it's something that can, that can be, it can debilitate you. I'll say it that way. You
0: know, Brother Chris was mentioning in the prayer request that, that Satan is out to get us. And, and we see that in, in, in our church. We see so many ways in which Satan has lashed out against us. And, and if you think about that long enough, you can begin to dread and to fear the power of Satan. But, I, but that's not what we need to do, okay? When we're walking through that valley of fear, as you see the Lord afflicting our church, and then you think, in your mind, what's he going to do to me? Would it be better if I just maybe went to some other church that's not afflicted, <laughs> you know? You know, it's a whole lot easier if you live life as a so-and-so Christian, okay? That's not what you signed up for when you joined the church, okay? You signed up for a life of dedication to God. So, here's how you handle this. As, as you walk through that valley of, of fear, seeing what Satan has done to this church, fearing what he might do to you, fearing what he might continue to do to the church, What is our answer in the midst of that valley? God is the same God, is He not? As a matter of fact, this is what David says. He says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I'm telling you what, that is the answer to all the valleys in my life. God doesn't say it's going to be pleasant. You know, there are many valleys that you experience that are a good thing. You know, there are beautiful valleys that you'll see in life. Not every
1: valley is a, is a low point in life. But there are valleys like this where you need the Lord. And if He is there with me,
0: then, then I, can, I can bear that. Because to be in the presence of God, to feel His presence with me, I mean, that is a blessing.
1: Ask Joseph about that when you get to heaven. As he was in prison, but the Lord was there with him. You
0: know, the, the same God that's in the palace is the same God in the prison. Amen. You get that? Man, just to, just to feel his presence. I would, I would go to prison to find that, Amen. if that's what it took. And so he says, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He is our shepherd. That's what this whole psalm is about. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. All these things out there in the world, I don't have need of them. I've got, I've got the Lord as my shepherd. He says he's got his rod and his staff. They comfort me. You know, we see, we see that Satan is that roaring lion. He's, just, he's waiting to pounce on whoever's weak. He's waiting to find you in your weakness. And that scares you. Until you remember this, that your shepherd that you ought to be flocking to and standing beside, he is there to protect you. And and my daddy can beat up your daddy. My, my savior, my shepherd can beat up that line any day of the week. Okay? I want you to remember that. As he has a rod, you know a, a shepherd would have a rod, something to beat off. Uh, uh, wolves or, or lions or something with. Normally it would be like a club, sometimes with a nail through it. And can you imagine Jesus, your savior, wielding that thing? Man, he could land some blows, I'm telling you. And so when you begin to fear, what's, what's the answer for you? Just draw closer to him. You know, if, if you want him to protect you, get a little closer to him. So he's got a rod to beat off the enemy and then he's got a staff what's a staff for it's for directing you and you want i want to stay close to him so that he will be able to nudge me in the right direction so we have the place of challenge in, in the valley of Eli. we have the the place of fear and dread and the shadow of death go with me over to psalm 84 we've got another another valley
1: Psalm 84, we'll look at verse 5.
0: It said, Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them. You know, this. I'll just stop here and say, this psalm is about yearning for the worship of God. It says, How amiable are their tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! It said, My soul longeth, yea, even feigneth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. You know, as a child of God, you know you have experienced this in many degrees during your life. There have been many times in which I have, I have literally felt as if I am thirsting for God. To see Him, to be here and to worship with you. There are other times when it's not as evident, but it's still down in there. So this psalm is about longing for the worship of God. And so, blessed is the man whose strength is in Thee and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. What is this valley of Baca? You know, I, I, I looked into it to see as, if it was a, a uh, literal valley. Some, some of the valleys mentioned in Scripture, uh, one or two that we might mention here in a second, are literal valleys. A, a physical location that we could go visit. But Baca, when you look it up, it says, situation unknown. Baka means weeping. So what we have here is a valley of weeping. This is a different place than the other
1: two we've mentioned. This is, this is a valley of sadness, of depression, of weeping. And I love how it's so fitting. This is, you get these little little
0: neat things sometimes in life. Situation unknown. You know, you may not even know why you're in this valley of weeping. Your situation may be unknown to you while you're while you're in this depression, or you may very well know what it is. You know, we're we are in a valley of that right now because of the loss of Sister Ava. Now, we also can can rejoice in the in the glory of God in the midst of that, but nonetheless. We're separated from our fellowship with her for a while. So we are in, a, in a, a valley of Baca. But now also, you may have people around you. You may have loved ones. You may have church members around you, and their situation is unknown to you. They may be in a valley of Baca, in a valley of weeping, and you may never know about it.
1: We all go through these multiple times. Some some will be deeper than others.
0: But I want you to notice what we have here. It says, Who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. It says, Even in the midst of your valley of Baca, and your valley of weeping and depression, the Lord will give you a well there to sustain you. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. You know, you are special to God whether you feel
1: like you are or not. You are are appearing before Him. You are on His mind.
0: So though you may be in a valley of weeping, the Lord will sustain you in the midst
1: of it. He'll give you a well there. Let's go to another valley. I'll
0: just just sort of sum this one up. This is the valley of Accor. This was a literal valley. You can read about it in Joshua 7. But essentially what happened here uh, was that the Israelites were blessed by God. They were on a winning streak. They, they They were winning all through Cana. They were taking the promised land. And they were told by God not to take any of the spoils of the cities. And so one man uh, and, and his family, they took some gold, they took some of the spoils, and they, they hid it. And so you know what happened is that the Israelites' winning streak stopped. They lost in they lost an, an embarrassment at Ai. And so what, what, what God... Uh, you know, what they did was they found out, Joshua and them, they found out (laughs) that this guy had taken spoils, he had hid him away, and so then they took the spoils back, they stoned the man because he disobeyed the Lord. And the place was in the valley of Accor. And the Lord restored blessings unto them and the winning streak continued, okay? The valley of Accor is a valley of repentance. It's a, it's a valley of returning unto the Lord. Now, this, some of these valleys we pass through just because we live in a sin-cursed world. But this valley is a valley that God blesses you with. Now, it may not feel like repentance is a blessing. It may not feel like conviction of your sin is a blessing. There have been, there've been many times where I've listened to the preaching from this pulpit, including uh, this past Sunday, uh, Sunday night, uh, when I was convicted, and that hurts. It doesn't feel good. But but I want you to remember this when you when you feel conviction again. Is that when you feel conviction, it's because the Lord loves you. You realize that, right? Conviction is how He deals with His children. You know, if He doesn't care about you what, at all, then He doesn't He doesn't even care to reprove you and correct you and to shape you into a better servant. Right. When you feel conviction, it's because the Lord is trying to make you serve Him better. So the valley of Accor, as as you experience that repentance and that return unto the Lord, that is a blessing of God. You know, it's so funny that in other scriptures, I think it's in Hosea, is one where it talks about, it says, the valley of Accor, a door of hope. This place is a place of hope. Although it may not feel good, it may not feel good to be reminded of your sin and then to experience repentance, yet it is a door of hope. It is a a hope to you because you know God loves me enough
1: that he would deal with me as his children, as his son. The other, the other valley that, that you see in Scripture is the Valley of Hinnom. Uh, and also the
0: Valley of Gehenna. These, these are, I don't know if they're the same valley. They may be two different valleys, but they're, they're used in the same way. That's the valley where the worm dieth not, and the fires are always going. This is the valley that, that resembles, that is a type of hell. Okay? Now, you may feel like you're in that. <laughs> You may feel like the grief that you're experiencing is that. But that is a valley that you will never ever see. That's a valley that you will never experience. You know, so there's there's multiple types of valleys out there. Valleys that you go through every day, valleys that are that are sometimes deeper than others. But I want to remind you again, it doesn't matter what valley you're in. God is still God. He is still with
1: you. The God in the palace, He's the same as the God in the prison. Think about this. The God who who is the same God who is is there
0: in the Supreme Court right now, who's in the White House, who's in the, the Congress, the Senate, that same God is in the womb in the womb of those little babies. Those little babies that maybe the world doesn't care about. They're going to be aborted. Right? God is in the womb with them. He cares about them. I can't think of a a more stark contrast
1: than than the comfort of the Supreme Court and, and the discomfort of the womb as they're
0: being aborted. But it's the same God.
1: Now I want to to take you to one last mountain and one last valley as we close this. You know, some 2,000 years ago, my Savior, your Savior, Sister Ava's Savior, he climbed up Mount Calvary. As he went up there, mocked, cursed, as they spit on him, as they beat him, as his blood was pouring out. Now that doesn't look like any mountain I've experienced. Most of the mountains that the Lord blesses we met me with are so much sweeter. But as he sat on Mount Calvary for me, and as he bled and suffered for me, and then as the Lord turned out the lights and poured out the wrath of God on him for all of my
0: sins, for all of your sins, we're going to talk about a valley that he experienced. The valley of hell. He experienced the wrath
1: of God poured out. Why did He do that? Why did He walk down into that valley? That dark place where the worm dieth not? Where the fires are always going and kindled? You know, there's been been times where I've experienced uh, valleys that
0: are dark. I mean, I've literally... I I went some time back in West Virginia, in, in one of those hollers there, you know, it's a valley in between mountains, and it is a depressing and dark place, because the sun comes up at about eleven in the day, and it goes down at about three p.m., and so the people there are depressed. They're turned to drugs. It is it is a sad, sad place. But can I even imagine the Valley of Gehenna, the Valley of Hell? where there's no light at all, where the darkness is all there is, where God Himself has removed His presence entirely. That's the valley that Jesus experienced for me and for you. And you may feel like you're going through a valley that you have never been darker, never been deeper. But that, that valley is a mountaintop
1: in comparison. God experienced those things for you so you will never have to. Even death now, even separation from a loved one is a temporary
0: thing. Now I know it's the, uh, the sting of death, it still stings right now. still stings when we experience that. But when Jesus went up on that mountain of Calvary and as He
1: descended into that valley, of the, of the condemnation of your sin. He won against death. You realize that? Amen. That though I may
0: die, though I may, that though they, I may experience death of this body, that even in this flesh I shall see my Savior, that He shall raise me up, you we serve a God that we cannot fathom. I cannot fathom how He would love me enough. You know, I, I don't know if I would be willing, as much as I love you, to go and descend into the valley of your suffering and to just take your suffering from you. But God did so much more. He
1: descended into a valley of hell, of complete separation from God. Is He the God of of the mountains only? No, He's the God of the valleys too.
0: And though you may not feel Him, He's right there with you, I assure you. And never, never doubt what you feel on those mountaintops when you're down in the valleys. Because you know what has happened? It's that your view has changed. God is the same God and His love for you is, is from everlasting to everlasting. It never changes. You know, I, I, I don't know if you're like this, but I struggle sometimes with trusting that other people love me. You know, because I know that I love them, but I, I'm thinking, surely they can't love me the same way I love them. You know, it wasn't until, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't until my wedding day that I realized that maybe Meredith actually loved me back. <laughs> You know? You know, because because I thought when I, I proposed to her, I was like, that's great, you know, she loves me, but then a day or two later I was like, Maybe she was just excited about being engaged. And and so and I, I joke about that, but that's a serious that was a serious insecurity that I had, right? And so when I come to God, I mean the the fairy tale love that my wife and I have. I can't even, when you come to God and you say, this is, this is the king of the universe, and I'm this worm of the dust, why would he love me? I mean, you want to talk about insecurity. When I come before God, and I say, God, do you really love me? And I doubt that so many times. Child of God, if you've ever experienced that too, all you've got to do is look up to that mountain that he, that he ascended for you, Mount Calvary. And that valley that He descended for you, oh my goodness, if He doesn't love you, I don't know what. He loves you so much. If you ever doubt that love, just look to that. He loves you so much. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at
1: zionpbc.com.